Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner and also president and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. In last week's episode, we are talking about the real estate market and how the real estate market has been absolutely insane chaos and going in the right direction. Well, fact of the matter is, is that, you know, if you're looking to buy a home, in all likelihood, that is going to be the largest investment that you will ever make in your life for most people. And generally speaking, unless you're filthy rich, you're gonna find yourself having to get a mortgage, which leads itself perfectly into today's guest. Today, I am introducing Kevin Stagana, who is mortgage broker for Lending Capital Mortgage. A lending Capital Mortgage. Okay, see, I'm, get, I'm relatively new at this show, Kevin, so I messed this whole thing up. So you have absolutely nothing to worry about today. <laughs> Kevin, thank you very much for joining. I appreciate it. Um, Thanks for having you know, me. We're piggybacking on last week's episode where we were talking about uh, the real estate market. Well, guess what? If we're looking to buy a mortgage, that's where we have to come. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your company. Uh, so we're a mortgage broker in uh, Lower Bucks County. Okay. Uh, we service the whole Pennsylvania area, though, uh, primarily in Bucks and uh, Montgomery and Philadelphia counties. Okay. Um, but like I said, we service the whole Pennsylvania area. Um, we started about two years ago. Uh, I opened up my own mortgage company because I figured I could offer uh, the customer my own personalized touch to the uh, very unique and uh, the way uh, mortgages are so tough. I figured I could uh, put my own spin on it. And uh, okay. Well, what makes mortgages tough? So there's a lot that goes into a mortgage. Um, oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, there, and I know there is. I know there is. There is. Um, it's not just, you know, one product fits all. And unfortunately, that's the way a lot of banks uh, think. So, you know, you have to uh, take the client's certain situation and their scenario and find uh, the best product that best fits them because there is a lot of mortgage products out there. I'm sure there are. And, you know, that's actually uh, whenever I... Uh, refer people to a mortgage to get a mortgage I generally prefer the mortgage broker because it works and like we referenced a lot of products you know my understanding is that uh, it works kind of like life insurance in that you know a certain insurance carrier is gonna insure this type of person but I would imagine that the mortgages if you have somebody who's in a lower uh, credit rating then they may have to go with this particular lender but if they're in a high credit rating they may go with this but is that how it works that's correct about how many different lenders or banks or institutions do you represent oh there's there's hundreds out there Wow uh, we work with probably about 20 okay 20 different lenders I got to so imagine have, that you can fit yeah everyone so curiosity how low of a credit score can someone go before they are basically denied? So um, before COVID, um, we were able to go down to about 580, sometimes in some cases 550 okay. with a larger down payment. Okay. Uh, now there are some overlays with COVID and some tighter restrictions because the banking uh, wants to, they want to be more secure. They don't want to be lending to people that are going to be losing their jobs because right. of COVID of course. and stuff. Of course. Uh, so now typically right now until COVID, um, you know, everything gets better with COVID and the pandemic ends, the minimum credit score is about 620 to okay. 640 right now, depending on which program you go with. So I've had it happen. Actually, when I bought my very first house, we had a situation where my spouse lost her job and it threw a bunch of wrinkles in the gears. Have you ever had a situation where you've had to redo a mortgage and pull one spouse off? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, if one spouse has a lower credit score than the other, uh, then we might just have to use um, that the other one that has the better credit score. But then you lose that lower credit spouse, uh, income too. Correct, but if the one borrower, uh, the wife or the husband, makes enough money to support the mortgage, uh, we can do that. And sometimes that's more favorable because um, if they have a credit score, let's say it's 720, and the partner has a credit score at 640, uh, that's a much better interest rate you can get With just, a 720. Using, just using the one borrower and uh, could you know result in saving a lot of money per month <coughs> so on the mortgage payment. If you have a couple going in and one's a 720 and one's a 640, they basically assume 640, correct? They the go, lower. They go right. off of the lower of the two middle scores, correct. So let's look at that for a moment. Um, so as you indicated, the lower credit score, and, and I understand this and I'm gonna to try to put it in a way for the viewers. Um, the banks don't like to be owners of properties, okay? <laughs> they don't like to see an owner of a property um, foreclose because then all of a sudden they become the owner of the house. And so what they do is they command for people who have a lower credit score, they want more money down because if they're more likely to default. And so the other thing they do is they also do a higher interest rate for them, don't they? Correct, yeah. If you have a lower credit score, you're gonna have a higher interest rate for sure. Okay. Okay, that's uh, that interesting. Helps, that helps secure them, you know. So a lot of times, as I do financial planning uh, for clients, I have them looking at uh, either refinancing their mortgage and taking cash out, which is a conversation I know we had not too long ago. Um, there's that, but then I also take a look at the debt to income ratio. And the debt to income is, for the viewers, they take the total amount of income that you make on a monthly basis, multiply it by a certain percentage, and that's how much you can afford. I've been using 40%. Am I wrong on that? What is the right number? Uh, so that's actually a good number um, because you don't want to put the borrower in a bad spot where they're house poor and their mortgage payment right. is more than what they can afford. However. Uh, typically, uh, depending on different loan programs, uh, conventional will allow you to go up to about 48 to 50%. Oh, really? That much? And FHA will allow you to go up to 57%. Total really? debt ratio. Housing ratio is a little different. Housing ratio is just the housing payment divided by your income. That can only be about 46%. I didn't realize it was that high. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think 57% is crazy. It is, it's putting the borrower in, I mean, they do allow it, but uh, I would I would say I, we never try to uh, give a borrower a pre-qualification that's going to take their debt to income ratio up that high because it's just not setting them up. No, uh, you're setting for, them up for failure. Yeah, that's not good. They're gonna be uh, really tight on their, you know, money every month. So. Absolutely, no, that's, that's, that's a shame. So. Um, given the low interest rate environment, given the high demand on real estate, I got to imagine that um, you've been busy lately. <laughs> Things are very busy. Uh, yeah, I figured very, that. Very, very busy. I figured that. So, you know, and, and one of the things I recently did is I recently refinanced my mortgage and, you know, I took it from a 30 to a 15, got a ridiculously low rate, yep. okay, and uh, and believe it or not, my payment didn't even go down that much, which was a nice thing. And, and you know, so I imagine with today's interest rates, you are getting refis galore. Yeah, refinances are definitely 
primarily the uh, building up the pipeline most, mostly. We do still do a lot of purchases, yeah. but uh, everybody wants to take advantage of the low interest rates right now because people are saving on average uh, two to $300 a month, I'd say, per my client base. Absolutely, and I would imagine, i got another question. I know you, I'm sure you do cash out mortgages, but let's say, for instance, I have $200,000 left on my mortgage, mm -hmm. and I have $30,000 of other debt, whether it's high interest rate, bad debt of whatever sort that I'd like to pay off. Um, if I do a refi, you know, if I did a straight refi of my mortgage of $200,000, that's one thing. But it's considered a cash out if I increase to pay other stuff off, correct? That's correct. Does that change the interest rate? Uh, it does. Uh, there's a little bit of a rate adjustment. Uh, it's only about a quarter. But the amount that it can um, help save you on your monthly debt is exponential. Oh, my goodness. I know um, that. I, I know mean, that. we take clients all the time. Um, that's how we kind of separate ourselves from others. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't just refinance. We look at the whole big picture. We take all the liabilities. Um, we try to wrap them into a cash-out refinance. There's sometimes we can take car loans that are at 10, 20 percent, credit cards at 19. 20 percent. Boy, their credit, make, their credit can't be that good if they're paying 20 percent. Well, it all depends. They could have gotten that credit card years ago, and we're able to consolidate that debt. Yeah, Sometimes absolutely. Sometimes save people $1,000 plus a month. If oh, my goodness, absolutely. Oh, there's no, no doubt. Not to mention that, you know, potentially tax deductible on the mortgage, but there's absolutely no tax deduction on the credit card. Credit card debt is just horrible because most people can never keep up and catch up. And, you know, to the extent that we can get rid of credit card debt, believe me, we do the same thing with our sure. clients. We yep. really look at it. I mean, we send clients to folks like you all the time right. because it, it just, it refinancing in today's rates, you just can't beat it. Yeah, you can't beat it. It's, it's something that everybody should be looking into. If they have a rate in the uh, fours, maybe even high threes, uh, they should be taking advantage of the lowest rates because we, we hit history several times in the last uh, couple months. They just We keep hitting a new mark where yeah, they've been the lowest in I history. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Uh, what's it cost to refinance, refinance your home generally? I, I know historically, and, and I'm going to, for the viewers, and I have this discussion all the time, I refer to recoverable and non-recoverable costs. Recoverable costs are, you know, if you have to pay off your escrow, well, you're getting the escrow back. Sure. Okay. And similarly, you know, oftentimes I'm going to refinance and I'm not going to pay, let's say, my August bill, but now I'm going to, then my next payment is in September. Well, I got to pay that interest because I would have paid it anyway. I consider that recoverable costs. The non-recoverable costs are all those silly fees, one of which, which annoys me to no end, is the, um, oh my gosh. Title fees. Titles fees, thank you very much. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Because if I refinanced two years ago and refinanced again, nothing's happened to my title in the last two years. <laughs> it's highway robbery, but it's established by the state, isn't it? Uh, correct, and again, to break down your cause a little further, uh, the amount of cost that you roll into a refinance, mm -hmm. you typically get back, I would say 70 to 80% of that if the file is structured properly, because you're going to skip the two months mortgage payments right, right, right. if you close towards the end of the month. Um, you are going to roll in some prepaid interest, but you're going to skip the two months mortgage payments and you're going to get back an escrow refund check for whatever the current lender has sitting in an escrow account for you. And depending on what time of year that is, that could be several thousands of dollars to you know, maybe even six, seven thousand dollars if people have higher taxes. Of course. In fact, here's the aside from that. Uh, one of the things that I've looked at is, in a very simplistic manner, is you take a look at 
what the non-recoverable closing costs are, the title fees and Appraisal. all of the other little fees that are, go mm -hmm. in there. And what I'll do is I'll take a look at that total cost, and let's just say for argument's sake, is $4,000. If they're refinancing a $200,000 loan and getting 1% better, 1% of 200,000 is two grand, they're getting that back in two years. It's actually sometimes a lot sooner, Mike, because the amount of interest that you are paying in that 1% higher each month to the bank instead of to your principal balance is much higher. So if you add up the amount of interest you're saving every month in that payment, plus the amount of that you dropped in payment, right? It, it, it's, I would say if you dropped 1% on a $200,000 loan, you're probably saving forty dollars to $50,000 over the life of the loan. Oh, easy, easy, yeah. easy. I, I wanna ask you some questions as to how it relates and what you've observed. I've heard that um, we're beginning to see lending that are going back to like some of the practices that they were doing in 2007. Are, I'm not saying you're doing that sure. by any stretch of the imagination, but you're in the industry. Are you seeing the industry beginning to give loans to people who shouldn't be getting them? Um, I wouldn't say that necessarily. However, you are correct in some aspect. Um, there are a lot of non-QM banks coming back Non-QM? Yep. What is that? Non-qualified mortgage. Okay, thank you. And they are, um, that's something that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, FHA, USDA, they will not um, purchase. So that is just a private investor um, doing a loan for someone that maybe can't get approved uh, with a regular government or mm -hmm. Fannie and Freddie Mac loan. Um, some of those loans include, uh, they'll do like bank statement loans where they, no, no, uh, no credit score qualifying, no income, they'll just look at uh, bank statements for the last 12 months um, and uh, you could get a loan. And so, okay, so that raises a question. So what happened in 2007 and 2008, what the banks were doing is they were doing all of these loans, these crappy loans, yes. and then they were packaging them up and selling them to Wall Street. Then Wall Street was then doing something and then packaging it up and packaging it up. And it finally, it's like musical chairs, it finally came to an end. I felt as though one of the solutions to the problem is if you lend me $200,000 for the mortgage, you're sitting on it and servicing it. So in that particular instance, if that, if that bank is giving that lousy loan or the one who is not very qualified, the non-QM, are they eating it? In other words, if that person goes and defaults, is that bank going to be the one responsible for it? Yeah, I'm sure there's some type of insurance backup, but um, I'm, I really don't do a lot of non-QM loans. Yeah. Uh, I do government and, um, you know, Fannie and Freddie Mac, USDA. Okay. I do those kind of loans. Lots um, of alphabet soup there. So yeah. I, I would like much? for you to, I, I, I'm very interested in understanding because, you know, you hear about Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Sally Mae, FHA, FDA, 
ABC, CFP, CPI, it's all alphabet soup. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm joking and laughing with it. But fact of the matter is, is like, what is it? I mean, USDA, I think USDA is putting a stamp on my piece of beef that I'm ready to throw yeah. on the grill tonight. Um, so what does the USDA have to do with mortgages? Uh, USDA will um, rate mortgages for consumers in rural areas. Okay. They will allow for a 100% down payment, or 100% financing. So really? Zero down payment. Do you have to qualify for that? Like a certain qualification? Uh, there are qualifications. So there, you can't make over a certain amount of money okay. per household. Okay. Uh, and again, it has to be in a certain rural area. It can't be anywhere like in the in the city of Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, Telford, Soderton are major areas. Some parts really? of Doylestown. Really? Doylestown. Uh, Percocy, yeah. Well, I mean, there's some nice territory out there. Sure. But so, um, I have to, what does the bank do or the USDA do to protect itself from the risk of foreclosure? Uh, Higher have, rates? No, they have, they have uh, mortgage insurance just like the FHA. Right, that's PMI. Yep. Right, okay, but um, how much is PMI? I think they change. It's like 0.085% or something like that? That's correct. What is it? 0.085% of, if I have a $100,000 loan, that's $850 a year, which is about $70 a month. That's how it works? That's, that's about right. Okay, yeah, well, you know what? And then my understanding is that once I reach a point where I have 20% down, I can apply for? That's with a conventional loan. Uh, with an FHA, USDA, or government loan, uh, that is not the case. Um, what you're is gonna the case? Pay, you're up gonna front? Pay, no, up front and MI every month, and you're going to pay for the life of the loan. The so, life of the loan no matter what. So the goal is um, <clears throat> to get, if someone is, if, if at that time, an FHA loan, USDA, VA loan fit, well, VA loans aren't going to have mortgage insurance. They're great loans. Okay. Uh, all loans are great. But if uh, you get put an FHA or USDA loan up front with a low down payment or no down payment uh, with USDA, the goal is after, you know, seven to ten years, once you have 20% equity in your home, right, right. is to refinance into a conventional loan. Oh, you have so to that, refinance. Okay. okay. That's the goal, so that you do not right, have right. to pay mortgage insurance. Yeah, but then when you refinance, then you have to pay all the closing costs and everything else, and you run the risk, especially today, you know, if you're getting this ridiculously low rate, which, by the way, ridiculous is good. I just want to know. But if you're getting this really low rate today, and seven years from now, I'm at... 80% loan to value, which means I have 20% down. I don't want to refinance at 4% or 5%. That's backwards. Yeah, that's that's unfortunately that's the market. If so, if, if rates aren't favorable for you to refinance, then you just gotta wait. Suck it up and eat the 8.85%. Right. So <laughs> um, that applies to USDA and FHA. All USDA and FHA loans. Correct. They're all going to have mortgage insurance. All right. And so is FHA loan, is that the one where you have to put 3.5% down? That's correct. That's all the right. minimum down payment. You can right. put down okay. more, but that's the minimum you're allowed okay. to Okay. So if I then wanted to go to conventional, okay, then that's where I have PMI only until 80%. Correct. 80% so, TV. So why would I not, why wouldn't I go to conventional instead of FHA? Um, because, well, if a borrower is qualified, there actually are low down payment options for conventional as low as 3%. Really? Yes. Um, again, there's income restrictions. But uh, if a borrower fits a conventional program uh, and we can get them into that program with 3% down or even 5% down, then that is the program we will typically advise that they go after. It sounds like it because <clears throat> particularly with today's real estate market, you know, 
if I bought a house with, say, 5% down a year ago, with today's real estate market jumping like it is, I may actually, without having to really have put much down into my mortgage, That's correct. I may reach the point. So now, how do you go about applying to the mortgage company to get out of PMI? I think of it like the doghouse at home. The doghouse is really easy to get into, but boy, is it tough to get out of. Sure. You mean for the mortgage insurance? Group? Yeah, how do you get out of the mortgage insurance? So at 78%, automatic cancellation. They'll do... Well, but somebody's got to prove to the mortgage company the value of your home. Yes, but you could call if you believe that the value, is, you, you have 20% equity once you're at 80% LTV. You can actually call and request them to do uh, a check to see if they can get rid of uh, mortgage insurance for you. Right, except for one thing, it's not in their, it's, you know, like, why would they be motivated? Because they're getting free money. Exactly, yeah. You so have, You have to do your due diligence and pretty much follow up with them and check. Okay. okay. So what was the 78 you're referencing? 78% uh, automatic cancellation. So if they do a value report in the back end and see that your home has 22% of equity, your MI will automatically cancel. Well, that's if they do a value report in the background. Is that something I, that they routinely do? I can't say that. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know that. But I'm pretty sure that there are systems in place to uh, keep checking that. But once again, I don't see the why the bank or the mortgage company would be motivated to do that because then they're losing right. that. I see your point for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> all right. So those those bad guys. You know. You gotta. So 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 the 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 story of it is that you really ought to make sure and you follow it because. You know, there's a lot of people who have bought. So, I can, what, what, go ahead. I can piggyback off that a little bit. Um, one of the things that kind of stops that from, you know, your worry of are they really checking into this is most people refinance within seven years, five to seven years. That's actually uh, statistically proven. So, um, I think within five to seven years, uh, people are either going to put down enough money to get to that 20% mark or the value has gone up enough to where when you do the refinance, you do an appraisal. Right. Automatically, it's figured out that you don't have to pay MI anymore. Well, you know why statistically it's been seven years? Because we've been on a 30-year, 30, almost 40-year declining interest rates. Yep. So the reason why it's every seven years is because the big run was also in 2012 because we hit a dip in interest rates when everybody's looking back. It's like, holy cow, I can refinance and get this 4%. Could you imagine getting 4%? Wow, that yep. beats my 6 or 7, right? <laughs> so yeah. everybody's refinancing like crazy. You know, interest rates kind of came back up a little bit again. And lo and behold, about seven years later, here we are again. Seven years later, the interest rates are ridiculously low again. So what other programs are there out there? I've heard of first-time home buyers. Uh, is there anything for, uh, you know, veterans, uh, college graduates, are there any type of other programs out there? Yeah, there are assistance programs for um, first-time home buyers, like a down payment assistance. Uh, first-time home buyers is FHA, there's a three and a half percent down. They also have programs that will help assist with that three and a half percent down. Really? Um, yeah, and then they have, um, some of our lenders have special programs for um, our men in blue. Uh, so they get um, down payment assistance, police officers, uh, medical workers, nice. stuff like that. Um, there's, there's, that. A, there's a ton of stuff out there to help um, buyers get into homes. So the thing is, is then the first time home buyer only works with FHA. And just as we discussed a little bit ago, it doesn't sound like the FHA is the best program. Why, why would I, again, I look at it 
and I'm looking at it, I suppose, from the uh, PMI perspective, that FHA stinks, but conventional is good. Why would somebody go FHA? Is it because they lower the standards for uh, income and, and so credit score? I'll give you a perfect example. Yes, that is correct. And also, uh, some people don't have 5% or 10% down payment for a conventional. They can get under 3% on conventional, but there's an income restriction. So usually if there's two borrowers, typically we're seeing in our area that their income is too high for the 3% down conventional program. So that gives them really one, other, one, other, one or two other options to go USDA, but they have to be in that area where right. it's eligible. Where we can stamp or, them on beef. Or an FHA, <laughs> or an FHA loan. Um, but like I said, FHA loans are great. Um, for first-time home buyers, right. there is a ton of first-time home buyer programs. So as US, long USDA, as their income doesn't get above a certain level. If their income's yes. above a certain level, then they can't go FHA, right? Well, that's conventional. Okay. They have a conventional 3% down first-time home buyer program. Oh, okay. That's amazing. Low, low mortgage insurance, uh, rates are really low, uh, and 3% down payment option. But there's an income restriction. You can't make over a certain amount. In, uh, in They have different counties, have different limits. But in our area, I think it's about 76,000 or right in that range. Okay. So typically, we're seeing two borrowers, uh, wife and husband or, right. or a couple, right. is they're usually over that amount, and that has to push them either to a 5% down or an, an FHA 3.5% down. And the other thing that pushes people to FHA instead of conventional is first-time homebuyers usually don't have uh, a large down payment to put down, right? Right, exactly. So they have to pay closing costs and their 3.5% down payment, and FHA allows you to get up to 6% seller's assist from the seller. Conventional okay. only allows 3%. Right. So if you can get 6% assist from a, uh, you know, a nice seller who's feeling you know, they want to help out, then uh, you could typically get into your loan uh, without, with only putting down the 3.5%. Wow, that's amazing. You know, so th that's why we refer people to people like you because you know all these ins and outs and the FHA and the 3%, 6%, the conventional and good, bad and everything else like that. I mean, this is all really Thanks, good stuff. Um, thank you very much. I'd like you to take a minute and look into the camera over there. Tell people how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, I'm Kevin Stagana from Lending Capital Mortgage. Uh, we're in Lower Bucks County, Newtown, PA. Uh, you can get a hold of me on my website, LendingCapitalMortgage.com. Uh, my phone number is 215-776-8980, or my email is k, my last name, Stegana, S-T-E-G-E-N-A, at Outlook.com. Or you can visit us at 12 Penns Trail in Newtown, PA. Thanks for having me. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. Absolutely a pleasure. I appreciate it. I learned a lot. Thank I you, hope Mike. the viewers learned a lot. So here we are. Last week we were talking about the realtor, but now we're really talking about the mortgages. The mortgages represent the single largest purchase that most people will buy during the course of their lifetime. We are at an absolute low in interest rates, which as we talked about last week, this is what's raising the price of real estate. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, you know, I am a firm believer that you bring in somebody who knows what they're talking about and can drive you to the right place. Way important to understand how the mortgages work, what you can afford, 
board, the interest rates, how the PMI works, which, you know, can you get out of it after you reach 20% down on the house? Do you not get out of it? And all kinds of different ins and outs. You know, certainly as financial planners, we're able to guide our clients. But when it comes down to the nuts and bolts, that's where it really comes down to. You need to have someone from the mortgage side who really understands what the whole process is and has the ability to be able to guide you through what I refer to as the gauntlet. So, again, I'm here to be able to provide you, the viewer, as much possible information as we can provide. And as your host of Financial Planner Explained, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for viewing. Yeah.